Welcome to the second season of the Gutsy Health Podcast with Shanique Roney and Gina Warfel, where we share uncomplicated, practical, and affordable wellness education so you can be a self-healing champion. This episode is brought to you by the Gutsy Health Membership Program, a program that gives you inexpensive tools and resources to heal your mind, body, and soul. Visit our website at mygutsyhealth.com. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Gutsy Health Podcast. I have a really, I'm psyched, you guys, I am so psyched for this episode because I have Dr. Oliver on with me. He is the owner and genius behind the Neuro Clinic in Lehigh here in Utah. And how I came across him and man, he like, he speaks my language. He speaks your language and he like, uh, he's, oh my God. Okay. Let me start from the, like the beginning because everyone knows, or most of you guys know I got COVID last year and it kicked me like, and I was one of those people that wasn't scared of COVID. Like when Tristan was going through cancer, we never asked people to wear masks around us. We were like COVID smoked, right? Like I am not going to let fear like rob my joy and rob my experience of my life. And so if you want to wear a mask, that's fine. But when I got COVID, so this was the belief system I was going into when I got COVID. And when I got COVID, it almost killed me. My oxygen got down to 83 and my doctor said I had to go to the hospital. And I was like, I would rather die at home than die in a hospital. That's literally what was going through my mind. And my children even asked me, mom, are you going to die? And I didn't even know what to say at that point. I was like, I, but I'm not doing well. Fast forward to, that was November of 2021. Fast forward to March of 2022. It's this year I'm working my buns off and I'm stressed as can be trying to navigate life without my husband. And I get very, very ill, very ill. And it felt like, this is how I explained it to my doctor. I'm like, it feels like there is a virus in my brain and it's traveling down my spine on like the side of my left. And all my glands are like these golf balls. And all he told me was, oh, you probably got scratched by a cat and it's a bacterial infection. Here are antibiotics. And I'm like, this is not a normal bacterial infection. Like I am very ill. And again, it was like the flu, but a very aggressive flu. And I'm like, I'm not well, there's something wrong. I know what the flu feels like. I know what illness feels like. I am very in my body and I'm very intelligent around the body. This is not a normal thing. Please test me for Epstein-Barr. And he said, nope, we're not going to test you right now. Two weeks go by, I get better stress comes up and I am in bed again and I'm as sick as a dog, same symptoms, can't move, had to cancel all my clients. By this point, all my clients are pissed because I'm just canceling all my appointments and I'm in bed and I'm like, okay, it's fine. I'm just going to get up and I'm going to be fine. And so a month goes by and my anxiety starts to get really, really bad. And then it gets more like, and I'm high functioning anxiety, you guys, I'm high functioning anxiety, but I'm realizing other things now. My anxiety is starting to turn into panic attacks my mental health is declining a little bit. I'm starting to experience depression for the first time. And I'm not a person that has ever experienced depression. Even while Tristan was dying, I've never experienced depression until this year. And I'm like, something's off in my brain. But not only that, my vision starts to change. I'm like, why am I having visual disturbances? And then everything came to a head at the end of May, beginning of June, when I start to have these unbearable panic attacks, mental decline, it was hard for me to have conversations. I had to cancel like even meetings, five minute meetings. And my, my team were like, Janique, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't understand. I can't see properly. I'm having these fluttering spasms all over my body. Like I'm having this tremor in my neck and all I, like, and the only way I can describe it is there's a tremor in my brainstem. My brain feels inflamed. 
I'm like, I have these tremors in my legs and my arms. Sometimes my face goes numb and I'm having panic attack after panic attack after panic attack. I don't know how to function. And I don't even know if I want to live anymore because this is unbearable. And so what I did, as many of you know, is I just stopped working for about six weeks and I did my own protocols where I got in the hyperbaric chamber every single day. I had to figure, because I didn't know what I was treating at this point. I was so confused. I'm like, do I treat Lyme? Do I go to 2.4? Do I treat brain and just go to 1.8? Like, I don't know my dosing. So I had to play around with my dosing in the hyperbaric chamber and I was doing cryotherapy and I was doing ketamine therapy to help me with the anxiety and the depression because I knew the anxiety and the depression and the stress were making my symptoms worse. And my symptoms felt like MS. The fact that my brain was feeling swollen and it felt like my brainstem was like quivering all the time. I'm like, what is happening? And I knew if I went to a doctor and I would have gotten a scan, there's an intuition that told me they won't know what's going on. They'll say, everything looks normal. Here are some antidepressants. I was prescribed actually anti-anxiety meds and I took them once and it put me in a spiral. And I was like, nope, I'm never going to do that again. So that was me in the summer. Fast forward, I do my protocol and I improve about 80 to 90% and I start working again. But then I got another flare up, you guys, about two weeks ago. My stress was high. I just finished the digestion restoration workshop and my symptoms come back. And I was like, okay, I'm triggered. Things like I need definitive answers. Something's wrong with my nervous system. And so I was talking with a friend and she was like, you need to go to the neuro clinic and rule out a, a few things, rule out Parkinson's, rule out MS, like rule these things out. And that's when I walked into the neuro clinic did some neuro testing and I start to talk with Dr. Oliver and this is the conversation we had. And then Dr. Oliver, I promise I want you to just take over the podcast and start educating people. But the story is very important. No worries. This story is very important because at this point I know COVID from my own research. I know that COVID is waking up dormant viruses in our bodies, right? Like Epstein-Barr. There's this HERV DNA sequencing thing that happens when we're getting COVID. It's waking up these viruses that we could have inherited even from our grandparents or our our parents, right? And so Epstein-Barr is now mimicking all these autoimmune dysfunctions. And so that that was my hypothesis. So I'm sitting in your office and I'm like, this is what I think is happening. And you're like, let's test it. And then yesterday I'm in your office and you're like, I have your results back and you have Epstein-Barr antibodies through the roof in your body. And so that brings me massive. Right. And so, so my hypothesis was not only completely correct, but a lot of people are suffering with this and they don't have the knowledge to unpack it. And so people are going from doctor to doctor to doctor. They're confused. They're scared. They're extremely symptomatic and they are lost and they need people like you to educate them on what is happening that so many people are experiencing such a neurological decline in their bodies. Because here's the thing, when it comes to brain, if you don't have a brain that's working nothing's working, right? The brain is the control center. It's the thermostat to the house. When you have brain dysfunction, you have dysfunction everywhere. And so Dr. Oliver, finally, after seven minutes, welcome to the podcast. Please tell us who you are and what is happening in our world right now post COVID virus. Well, first of all, Janique, I just wanted to thank you for this opportunity. I love time. Anytime I get to spend just talking about what we're seeing in clinic, I'd love to take advantage of these opportunities and I don't have a platform like yours. So to be able to be on here with you, this is great. This is a treat. And I guess I'll just preface with a little disclaimer. And I always joke with patients about this. That's why they call this practice is because we're learning constantly. 
And we do have to practice Mm -hmm. as we work with clients one-on-one. And so I don't know everything about COVID, but I've been very invested in this over the last couple of years with everything that everybody's been through. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoy following very smart people like Robert Malone, uh, Larry Pilevsky, Peter McCullough, Paul Thomas, you know, Jamian, like these are doctors that I get to listen to that have been working with patients on the front line and trying to figure out what the heck is going on with all this COVID stuff. Mm-hmm. And so what I told you yesterday, and I think I actually pulled it up on PubMed for anyone that doesn't utilize PubMed, I would invite you to do it because it's a mesh database. Granted, it is run by the government, but they do have basically all access to abstracts and different articles. And I pulled up yesterday COVID and when you type in and in all caps, it kind of takes two topics and puts them together for you. Neurological dysfunction Mm -hmm. or neurological manifestations. There's over 5,000 articles that are accessible to learn more and more about this. Mm -hmm. And so I would say from my experience encountering patients, whether they were existing patients or new patients that have come to the clinic with these unexplainable issues And when you take a history and kind of pinpoint, oh, when did you have COVID? Or I would also add, maybe you had COVID, it wasn't so bad, and you were kind of asymptomatic, nothing big came from it. And maybe you were one of the ones that went out and got the vaccine or a booster or something and had a really bad reaction to it. Mm -hmm. I would say in my experience from what I've seen over these last couple of years is that it could be either or or a combination of both, a bad reaction to the vaccine, a bad reaction to the virus itself or the combination of both. And what I started seeing was, and interestingly enough, especially in females, for some reason, and I don't know if there's anything to this, but increases in anxiety they've never had before. Massive panic attacks like you're describing, where it's like you've never really experienced anything like that before. Right. Depression, insomnia. There's cases of psychosis even. I had one patient. It felt like psychosis. Yes. Like it feels like you're on the brink of psychosis. It's very scary. So sorry, keep going though. Mm -hmm. No, I was just going to say, I had this one patient that I worked with that lost all interest whatsoever in her husband Mm -hmm. and in her mind started going into this place where there was levels of same sex attraction she never had before. Just wild stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sitting here trying to figure this out. Like, Hey, First of all, is there anything I could do to help? Mm-hmm. And I guess with a little background about what I do and my specialty here in the neuro clinic. So we, meaning my former business partner and I founded this clinic in 2013. And we had been done extensive postgraduate study in neurology. So for those of you who don't know, chiropractic neurology has its own taxonomy code and it is a very unique niche within a like a specialty network within the field of chiropractic, just like you would see in medicine Mm -hmm. where you can go see your cardiologist or your pulmonologist, right? So Mm -hmm. in the state of Utah, as it stands right now, there's only three of us that are board certified chiropractic neurologists. And so my elevator spiel for people that don't really know what that is or never heard about it, everything we do in my office is all based off of principles of neuroplasticity. Mm -hmm. So if you've ever read the book, The Brain That Changes Itself by Norman Doidge, that's essentially the concept is We know that using sensory systems, you can actually rewire the functionality of a brain and optimize that function. So without using pharmaceuticals and surgery, we can give someone an electrical impulse or a magnetic impulse or utilize radio frequency therapy or low-level laser therapy to actually rehab an injured brain. And Mm -hmm. I think to that point, I would add that what we're seeing with these long COVID cases is very similar to what I would see with post-concussion syndrome. Mm -hmm. It's it's mimicking a brain injury. Yep. 
And, you know, which leads us to, you know, what we'll talk about, but is there anything else you want to add or? No, the only thing I want to add is like, you know, just kind of going back, you were mentioning before you go into this, that this is a practice and doctors like you are putting their brains together and sharing information to get answers, right? Like we're still figuring this out. And so there are good doctors out there that are trying to help people and trying to help people get the answers they need. But there's just so much neurological decline and it's happening so fast and mainstream doctors are not getting it. People are not, doctors are not listening to people. When I go in and say there's something fundamentally wrong and they're like, here's an anti-anxiety med, like we're not being heard in the mainstream medicine. And so it takes these doctors like you on the periphery to put like doctors that are doing their own blood work, for instance, and realizing that when people are getting COVID or the vaccine, there are these elevated inflammatory markers that mainstream doctors aren't testing for, but doctors like you are testing for it and you're putting your data together. And again, people are going to say, well, where's the research? Where's the literature that is peer reviewed? It's, It's, Right. Yeah. Well, it's being done currently, but doc, like right now we have to use the massive amount of anecdotal evidence and collect it together yeah. and come together with a hypothesis and say, this is what we think is happening because we're listening Correct. to people like you and we're utilizing that data to come to our conclusions. Yeah. So but I would also add what's been kind of frustrating with this whole process too, is that the doctors that I want to listen to are the ones that get censored. They're the mm, ones yes. that get taken off social media. They're the mm-hmm. ones whose voices are silenced for wrong think or misthink. And, right. and when in a scenario that in a situation like the one that we're in, like the more voices that can be heard, the better, because we're all trying to learn mm-hmm. along the way as we go. And right. before we started recording, I did mention to you, I did generate a little bit of a like a PowerPoint presentation. I use a, a Mac, so mine's through Keynote, but I want to be able to get this information out. Anytime I do a presentation like this, whether it's in a conference and in front, uh, in front of groups of people, I always offer the information that I'm sharing because it's not mine. I didn't mm-hmm. make this up. These are things that I'm learning along the way You're from sources like PubMed and these other doctors, right? So, so what this would- is my information to give to you. And so we're going to make sure that, and if you want to talk mm-hmm. about that for a sec, we'll figure yes. out a way to make it happen. So you guys, my team's going to put this on the Gutsy blog. And so there will be a link in the show notes for you guys to access this PowerPoint that Dr. Oliver has put together. So thank you so much for doing this. So please explain no to us what the heck is happening and why are we having such yeah. a fast neurological decline in our society post COVID. Yeah, let's let's dive in on that. And so the first thing I want to start with is a couple points, very important points about COVID's impact on the gastrointestinal system or the GI system. So one thing that we know from the literature, and this is actually the paper was called alterations in fecal fungal microbiome of patients with COVID-19 during time of hospitalization until discharge. And this is from a study in the Journal of Gastroenterology. But in a nutshell, without getting too complicated, and I apologize if I use a couple words or terms that are unfamiliar, I always recommend for everyone to go on and Google and just read up. Like, I'm going to talk about NMDA receptors. That's N-methyl-D-aspartate receptors and how important those are. If you want to learn more about it, let's start doing our own research and doing some reading on it. But What we do gather from this study specifically, just in a nutshell, was that we're losing diversity of bacteria in the GI tract. Just from Um, getting COVID. Not only are we losing diversity, but we're losing beneficial bacteria that should be in there. Mm -hmm. 
And when this cascade happens, we get an expansion of pro-inflammatory bacteria, expansions of yeast. These mm. things are going to increase the incidence of leaky gut syndrome. And then once you've got leaky gut, that's a nightmare because that's where you start diving into some of these autoimmune type presentations. Wow. Um, I like just put, COVID. I just put yeah, two and two ahead. together. Since I got COVID, I've been getting reoccurring UTIs over and over yeah. and over. And so like That's, before I yeah. would get like one every two years and now it's like every month, sometimes like twice a week. And I'm like, yeah. something is off. Like my biome is off. Things are different. Like I yeah. didn't even put two and two together, but of course that's happening, right? Because your microbiome yeah. is like 70 to 80% your immune system. Your immune system yeah. from your microbiome from COVID is completely transformed. And when you transform yeah. the microbiome, you transform your immune system. That is making so much sense now. Holy cow. And like I said, I've been seeing more of these long COVID cases and maybe it's just because I do see more female clients than I do male clients, but it's important. I'm glad you brought that up because I'm seeing men getting UTIs. Crazy. I usually don't ever see that. And you guys. It's more so in women than men. And you're any kind of orifice that has bacteria. It's just a mirror of your gut biome. So if you're getting chronic like strep throat or chronic ear infections or chronic UTIs, like that's just a mirror of the dysbiosis that's happening in your gut. So that's why it's, that's why it's, that's important to understand because If there's a change in the amount of UTIs I'm getting, that means there's a change in my gut biome. And I knew that. And I just was like, I'm like, what is happening? Like the past year, I'm just like, things are not the same. Like, this is not my body. Is this stress? Is it this? Is it because I had to take antibiotics while I got COVID? But I've taken antibiotics before and I've never had this big of a shift in my microbiome. Like what happened? So thank Mm -hmm. you for bringing that to light and how important it is. Well, and you know what happens when you have altered gut microbiota, that you get mTOR activity increase, mm-hmm. you get hypochlorhydria. So these are folks that are developing acid reflux and mm-hmm. heartburn that they never had before. Mm-hmm. I mean, with gut inflammation, you're going to get that cytokine release. And that was something that was, I think, a term that people started tossing around a lot during COVID mm-hmm. was the fear of the cytokine storm, because that's those who were faring poorly with COVID with other comorbid conditions like obesity kidney disease, diabetes, things like that, they were a little worse off compared to what you would, I guess, consider your normal healthy person, right? Right. But the cytokine release, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, but there's a huge aspect of why that affects the nervous system, the central Mm -hmm. nervous system, being compromised with the blood-brain barrier. Yes. I was, but, I was just going to say that, like, because yeah. if COVID is causing like leaky gut and inflammation, that's going to cause leaky brain. Right. And that's going to wear right. and tear on that blood brain barrier, allowing spike proteins to cross over and cause problems. Is that correct? Right. And I do have to make a correction with that. I misspoke the other day because in the, some of the research that I was digging into, they've actually there. And it was from this one journal I'll touch on here in just a second, but they actually we're pointing out the fact that the biggest issue with the virus and its role in nervous system dysfunction was that it wasn't necessarily crossing the blood brain barrier, but it mm-hmm. was destroying it. And the fact that it was destroying the blood brain barrier is what leads wow. to more of the susceptibility of the brain inflammation and other things. And who knows down the road in a couple of weeks, there might be another paper that identifies spike proteins in the brain itself. But wow. we'll talk a little bit about that in a second, but you're going to love these slides when you get it. This picture that I have pulled up, it's the fifth slide and it's a beautiful illustration of SARS-CoV-2 infection and breakdown in the gut barrier. So mm-hmm. I'll just touch on some of these points real quick. So at point A, so it goes A, B, C, 
And then I think we get down to D where finally we get into bacterial translocation, which Mm -hmm. is not good. So biological barrier alterations, we see a reduction in microbial diversity, overgrowth of pathogenic bacteria, which I already touched on, and increased intraluminal endotoxins. So the, the luminal lining of your blood vessels that's why this has such a heavy association with like a blood disease, why you're, mm. where you're seeing people developing these clots, whether again, it's post COVID yes. or even the vaccine issues that people are having with these clotting factors and, you know, the myocarditis and, and the heart disease and stuff like that. So what's actually happening is the mechanical barriers in the bloodstream or the blood vessels themselves are being altered. So yeah. where you should have nice tight junctions for through like zonulin and oculin, mm-hmm. these things get blown up and it's destroying the tight junctions and creating leakier junctions. That's great. And then once that happens, yeah. So sorry, go ahead. It's, you were mentioning yesterday that and and actually my nurse practitioner mentioned this too. You both did, or maybe you didn't, maybe it was just her, but the the Florida surgeon general they did their own research right on and they like he was saying yeah, that men between yesterday yeah can you tell listeners about that and like the heart implications yeah, so right every once in a while when you find it and you actually found out about the surgeon general because i one of my favorite podcasts that i like listening to is tim cast irl i don't know mm-hmm. if anyone follows tim pool but he's he has these fascinating guests on and the surgeon general a couple of weeks ago was actually a guest on his show. Oh, cool! And it's, it's a long form conversation. I listened to their conversation for about two hours. I was really impressed with this guy. And then a couple of days ago, he comes out in a presser and he's standing up warning the people of Florida age. I believe if I have the numbers, right, it's either age 18 to 36 or 19 to 36 mm-hmm. specifically males, not to get the booster of the vaccine because they were finding an 86% increase in heart-related issues. Mm -hmm. And so as a surgeon general coming out to warn the public, he's a good doctor who's doing his research and figuring out, finding answers. So refreshing to hear him come out and say that. Meanwhile, the CDC is trying to slap these vaccines and boosters on the pediatric schedule. It's mind-blowing. Right. And so this is what's happening. This is why there's that increase in and heart problems is because of all this damage in the blood vessels and all this increased inflammation that's causing all this clotting. Absolutely. That's wild. So specific to the inflammation, once the immune system's compromised and you have these barrier alterations and your gut's messed up, your blood vessels are compromised, it activates macrophages. So we understand from an immunological support or standpoint that macrophages, there's a time and place for them. You don't want them running abundantly throughout your body mm-hmm. nonstop without any break. And that's really where this kind of does, in a way, get pushed into a category that I would consider autoimmune type in presentation. Explain to people um, what macrophages are and why don't you want an abundance of them? What are they doing? Yeah. So, for example, they're like the garbage collectors. Mm-hmm. Um, so, when there's debris and there's just funky stuff going, going on and your system's a mess, the macrophages will actually come in like collectors and gather up the debris so that basically your body can get rid of it. Mm -hmm. But just think about that over long periods of time. That's why oftentimes when you do blood work with the patient, if you see white blood cell counts that are tanked, like we're talking below like four, three, two percent. Ideally, we like seeing those between about five and eight. When you get on the low end, that is a clear cut sign that there's a sign that there's chronic infection going on. And you don't want that. I guess the analogy that we would say is like, all right, we're going to battle and you you send the army or the military forces out there. And there's only a certain amount that you're going to be able to utilize. And so over time, if you have this constant cascade, because where there's inflammatory or let me say this, 
immune responses creates inflammation. Right. And so chronic inflammation over time is, is, is just not good, good because that's, that's what creates the, you know, further gut dysfunction and the, and some of the brain stuff that we'll talk about. Well, and I want right to, so I don't know if that answered your question. Yes, but. it did. But I want to let listeners know, because when I look at labs, so on doctor's labs, when you go to your doctor, if your numbers are between like two and 10, you're normal. So what Dr. Oliver was saying between five and eight is normal. When I look at labs that's, and I've looked at a lot. Consider functional, like our functional ranges. Yes. When I look at people, the majority of people are between like two and four. And so mm-hmm. just barely under that functional range. So the majority right. of people are dealing with chronic bacterial or viral infections and it's wearing and tearing on their immune system. And that's right. what leads to burnout and that what leads to more serious dysfunction and disease down the line. And so you want optimal yeah. white blood, but you want those white blood cells to be between five and eight. And I rarely see that. Rarely. Yeah. So how about Agreed. you? Is that true with you? Same. Yeah. yeah. I mean, every once in a while, I'll catch someone in an acute stage of an infection. Right. And my blood cells will be more like 9, 10, 11. That's mm-hmm. appropriate. That's actually a normal presentation. Right. But left on too long, you start losing the military members and, right. and then, then you're in trouble. Right. These right. things become chronic and centralized. Right. So let's talk about the brain because that's my specialty. Yeah. So how COVID-19 affects the brain. Again, you guys are going to love this slide. It's a really awesome illustration. So starting at the first point, SARS-CoV-2 enters into brain cap- capillary endothelial cells. So that's actually where the first point of access is doing its thing, mm-hmm. is the virus will actually come into the vasculature and start messing around with the capillaries mm-hmm. that are brain-based. And then once that starts, that's really where the cytokine storm issue comes. So now cytokines, so you're going to look in, if you want to uh, search a term, interleukin, so interleukin 1 beta, interleukin 10, we have interleukin 6. These are inflammatory markers, right? Like these yeah, are inflammatory chemicals. Markers. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and so- that's what creates that cytokine storm. And another one that's really uh, big is tumor necrosis factor alpha. Mm. So once that gets going, the local microglial activation fires up. Now microglial cells, so we talk about macrophages going in and kind of acting like the trash collectors. Microglial cells, so when you hear that word glial, just think brain. They're the immune system cells inside the brain itself. Mm -hmm. Now when glial cells activate, they kind of kick up like cell towers and they're also trying to do the same thing. They're signaling for phagocytes and macrophages to come into the brain Mm -hmm. to fix an inflammatory cascade. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, you're going to get increases in glutamate, which is an excitatory neurotransmitter. Mm -hmm. So when you're stepping back, looking at big picture and it's like, I wonder why people are developing like app, like this just out of the ordinary anxiety. Mm -hmm. Well, it's because you have these literally these chemicals are being fired up to basically create an experience that you've never had before in your brain. Yep. And you also get upregulation of NMDA receptors. So that's the N-methyl-D-aspartate receptors that I had made mention of. Just dive in and start studying that topic. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you're going to find it fascinating. Very cool. And when these processes are happening, you start getting a depletion of specific neurotransmitters like serotonin, Mm -hmm. dopamine, norepinephrine. All of these chemicals start to suffer in this process of, of immune activation that's in the central nervous system. So you're getting heightened anxiety. And then the depression of all those happy neurotransmitters, which will then like plummet you yep. into depression. So that's why people are exactly. bouncing back and forth and back and forth. It's just, yeah. and they're like, and my brain is not my own. Like something is 
different, right? Would this, yep. so when people are having this inflammatory cascade happening in like the vasculature of their brain, would they be suffering from like headaches and migraines? What are some other symptoms that people can be experiencing? Yeah. So one of the most basic symptoms that people deal with when there's an inflammatory process occurring in the brain is just brain fog. Mm. So feeling like your head's in a cloud, just feeling off, like, and people know, complain I mean, about that drink, all the time. It, I would imagine it would be like waking up in the morning with a massive hangover, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. And like COVID brain fog is so different from normal brain fog, you guys. It's like yeah. you can't even form sentences. Like I literally, I'm like, it feels like there is a literal cloud in my brain and I can't, mm-hmm. I like people are talking to me or I'm reading a sentence and I'm like, I don't even know what I read and I'll read it 10 times over. And I'm like, yeah. I got to leave the room. I feel like yeah. an imbecile right now. And like, again, my brain is not working. <laughs> and I kept saying that this whole summer, I'm like, it's not turning on. There's dysfunction. Like I'm, it's not the same. And it's still like, I'm right. 90% better, but it's, there's just that little bit that as soon as stress comes up, boom, it's like, it's on fire again. Right. Keep going. Yeah. So for me, when I had, I've had it multiple times and the last kind of rough go was last July. So mine was July, 2021. Mm -hmm. And that was when I lost sense of smell and taste. I was like, dang it, here we go again. Mm -hmm. But when that brain fog settled in, in that time around, my biggest symptom or the thing I was most concerned about was my irritability. Mm. My mood was so off. I felt like at any moment, the Hulk was going to come out. Right. And I didn't like that obviously because I think I'm a very nice person, patient, kind, you know, I you like are. To think that. <laughs> that was so very off for me to experience mm-hmm. that it was rage and anger that I'd never really felt before. So yeah. that just a little personal story for me. So I don't know if anyone else can relate to that, but I've had tons of people can. Um, yeah. So what is happening? So why are once, people losing well, their taste and no, their smell, ahead. by the way, before you go into the other thing, why is it really because we're having a zinc depletion or is there like damage happening to our olfactory nerve? Because as we know, that, COVID, that's what I've heard. Well, there's a couple things. So one very early onset sign and symptom associated with like a neurodegenerative disease like Parkinson's Mm -hmm. and sometimes Alzheimer's because the peripheral nervous system actually becomes affected first. That's why a lot of times in the literature, they're talking about these neurodegenerative diseases as gut diseases first and foremost, because when, when the damage starts occurring, it goes from outside in. And one of those outside tracks is the olfactory tract, Mm -hmm. but also the vagus nerve that becomes affected. And then once it gets into your brain, that's where we start to see more of the serious neurological conditions. But so there could be something there where the inflammatory process is just actually affecting the olfactory tract. But I have seen, like you said, I have seen some research that goes into zinc deficiencies and stuff. Back then, that was my approach. When I lost my sense of smell and taste was I was mm-hmm. just, I upped my zinc from 50 milligrams a day to 100. That's a lot. I was taking 100. And after about three or four days, my taste and smell was back. Hey, everybody. Resist Nutrition Bars has fast and fiercely become a favorite product of mine. And here's why. We all know blood sugar dysregulation impacts your body in a lot of negative ways, but Resist bars have clinically proven to stabilize your blood sugar response because they are specifically formulated with plant-based proteins and other functional ingredients like cinnamon, maca, chia, goji, and turmeric. Basically, it's a powerhouse snack food. Drew, one of the founders of Resist, has PCOS and insulin resistance, and so she teamed up with her co-founder, Emily, who has a master's in food science. And let me tell you, they succeeded in producing the first ever protein bar for hormone and blood sugar regulation. If I were to make a snack bar, it would be like this. 
This product and company are the total package and I truly can't rave enough about them. I highly endorse Resist Nutrition. And if you go to resistnutrition.com, use the code GUTSY to get 20% off your first order. Give them a try. You're sure to love them just as much as I do. But some people so, are not having taste and smell after a year. And that to me, right. like, that signals to That's, me neurological dysfunction and deterioration. Yeah, there's something going on. Yeah. yeah. The other thing to keep in mind or to watch for too, especially if you're the type of person that's lost that sense of smell, ask yourself the question or do a self-check. Are you constipated? Because mm -hmm. that's going to reveal low vagal nerve tone. Right. So if you're constipated, you're having less frequent bowel movements and you still don't have your sense of smell. This thing's basically mimicking Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. So... I actually came into your office last week and I'm like, just tell me I don't have Parkinson's, right? Remember, yeah, I was yeah, like, exactly. just tell me I don't have Parkinson's. Like, because again, I know right. all this information and my mind is reeling and my brain's on fire. And so I'm going worst case scenario. And I'm like, just Dr. Oliver, just tell me I don't have Parkinson's, but it is, it's mimicking all these neurodegenerative diseases and people yeah. are freaking out. And now we also have that heightened brain imbalance that's causing the anxiety and depression. And so we're having neurological degeneration right. on top of the mood disorders. And it's like the perfect right. storm, right? And then when yeah. we have the anxiety and the depression or especially the anxiety that almost creates like a cord, like I can feel the cortisol coursing through my body and I can feel that cortisol making the inflammatory response even worse in my brain. And then my symptoms mm -hmm. get worse. So is there some truth yeah. to that where it's like, we have this inflammatory cascade happening in our brain and our vasculature, like in our nervous system. And then cortisol is just like throwing gasoline on these fires. Oh, hundred percent. And then mix into the whole scenario that if you can't manage your stress responses and your cortisol levels are totally out of whack, mm -hmm. well, there goes your blood sugar regulation, right. your insulin's screwed. And, right. you know, it's almost like that feed forward mechanism that we see with depression where, and mm -hmm. I always tell patients, it's like rolling the snowball down the mountain and just watching it get bigger and bigger and bigger and worse and worse and worse. Right. But yeah, there's absolutely truth to that. Okay. So what else is happening? So once we have altered neurotransmission and neuronal damage from the virus itself, that's where you start losing blood-brain barrier permeability. Mm -hmm. Your nervous system does not want to be bothered by anything. And so if you have a compromised blood-brain barrier, that is frightening because there's a lot of bad things that can happen from that. There's actually a company that I really like using. We did this yesterday, but the Cyrex panels, they have an array that actually does a blood-brain barrier permeability test. Mm -hmm. So if anyone's interested, this is awesome company. Again, disclosures, I don't make a penny off of what they do. I just love their testing procedures because the group of doctors that started that company are all basically like the world's most renowned immunologists. And so mm -hmm. their testing arrays are amazing. Right. And they just started one that's a blood-brain barrier permeability check. And that's so cool. there's actually ways that we can check this to see if the BBB has been compromised. But mm -hmm. once that happens, that's where you're seeing the neuropsychiatric symptoms. And it really depends on the area, like the Broadman's areas of the brain, because it's not always just one, like the same part of the brain for everybody that gets COVID or has a bad reaction to the shot. It can be all over. It can yeah. be occipital, parietal, frontal, temporal. It can be centralized brainstem. But this is where we're seeing attention deficit disorders. So ADHD type presentations cognitive deficits, suicidality, 
even some aspects of seizures or epilepsy and psychosis, which I mentioned before, these are some of the more common presentations that we're seeing with COVID. And that's why we're like, it's all over the board. Like a lot of people having very similar things, but very different, very different neurological stuff. And I think the mainstream medical model is a little overwhelmed by that because like they can't put all these people in the same box, right? It's, it's way too complex. Yeah. It's way, when for it comes one to one person, it could be renal failure for another mm-hmm. person. It could be lung failure, you right. know, you name it. Like, it's all over the place. For other That's people, it's a little confusing. For other people, it's like chronic fatigue syndrome, right? And doctors don't know what to do yeah. with that, but we know it's a brain issue. Like there is brain mm-hmm. dysfunction with people that have chronic fatigue syndrome. And so when right. it comes to the brain, the brain is so complex and it's so different for everyone. And so tell us a little bit more about like, so we know that the inflammatory cascade that's happening with COVID, Mm -hmm. tell us about Epstein-Barr and the correlation between COVID and like waking up other viruses in the body and how that's affecting people now. Yeah. So I need to learn more about this too, just because it is somewhat of a fresh topic. And I guess I could share, and I don't have any embarrassment when I say, I don't know. If someone asks me a question, I don't know the answer to, I don't, my ego is not too big to be able to say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So we are learning more and more about this, but here's my thought processes with regard to what you just asked. When you have an insult to the system and your immune system flag, and you start basically presenting like you have an autoimmune condition and touching on just like what you talked about before with your body's now becoming more unable to regulate cortisol levels, your stress response is out of whack. When that happens, any time there's latent, I guess the perfect example I could give would be varicella with zoster. This is your classic chicken pox. I remember I had mm-hmm. it when I was six. I've never had a bout of shingles before, but that's exactly what shingles is. It's mm-hmm. a manifestation of a dormant virus that sits in a part of your spine that's actually called the dorsal nerve root ganglion. Mm-hmm. And so when someone's under inordinate amounts of stress that has had an exposure to varicella with zoster previously, it can re-manifest. Mm-hmm. And so under stressful situations like this, I would like to find a little more hard concrete data to better answer your question. But things like mononucleosis or Epstein-Barr virus or old viral infections, I mean, you see like the herpetic stuff that people get around mm-hmm. their face. Like when do cold sores come out and present themselves? When you're Usually under high stress situations, mm-hmm. right? And so these stress responses are basically promoting or prompting these old viral presentations to like show back up again and have a party Mm -hmm. inside your body. And it's not good. Yeah. So in my case specifically, because we're seeing Epstein-Barr, I have the history of COVID. Right. What's causing my, I'm presenting symptoms like MS, right? What's causing it? Is Epstein-Barr mimicking MS? Does Epstein-Barr provoke an autoimmune disease that is MS? Yeah. Yeah. There's been a couple of cases that I've worked on over the years, even pre-COVID of patients that have had latent Epstein-Barr presentations kind of start showing themselves. And these are after, you know, 14, 15, 16 years Mm -hmm. after initial exposure because the virus does in and of itself. And there is actually decent literature behind this that you could find on PubMed too. So like, for example, if you typed in Epstein-Barr virus and And uh, multiple sclerosis, you'll see articles that pop up that talk about basically an overlap there as if like, Mm -hmm. it's it's as if Epstein-Barr is mimicking MS. And now from an autoimmune perspective, we know that MS is a demyelinating disease, which basically just means the fatty sheath covering around your neurons, which allows for speedy transmission of signal, it starts to wither away. Mm -hmm. And that's because the immune system is attacking its own brain. And when that process happens, well, that's where we start getting 
visual disturbance, muscle weakness. You just feel exhausted by the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And Epstein-Barr is actually mimicking that. And so in cases like yours, which I'm hopefully we figure out this sooner than later, because I don't want this to become a point of like, you are dealing with symptoms of MS. I think mm-hmm. we caught it fast enough. We can do something about it, but right. yeah, they're mimicking each other. I guess that's a short way I could answer your question. Yeah. And so for people that are dealing with post COVID syndrome and they're dealing with neurological issues, visual issues, anxiety, depression, can they be helped? And if so, what do you recommend? Yes, it does go into the point that we had talked about as far as this being practice. Mm-hmm. I have access to some really cool pieces of equipment that we're able to use, like, and so do you, your mm-hmm. hyperbaric oxygen chamber therapy. That's to be able to utilize oxygen like medication is pretty phenomenal. And that's one thing that we know that COVID does as well. Yeah. And it's specifically, like you said, in your case, when your numbers were, you said it's got as low as 83, For, right? Your oxygen sat level. Oh yeah, it was 83. Mm-hmm. Right. Anything sub 88, most doctors are going to be prescribing like cannulized oxygen therapy for stuff like that. So being able to use hyperbaric oxygen chamber therapy, transcranial low-level laser therapy, because Mm -hmm. that promotes mitochondrial health. Mm -hmm. You've got to have good, healthy mitochondria if you want to be just healthy in general. And so, again, these are pointing to mechanisms that would promote mitochondrial disease, Mm -hmm. which is almost exactly like what MS is as well. It's a mitochondrial disease. Um, And so, can they be helped? Yes, I'd say, but again, anecdotally, these are just from my experience in patients that have been diagnosed with long COVID, overcome the anxiety, overcome the depression, have the brain fog lift, uh, Mm -hmm. the cognitive abilities start to come back, sleeping Mm -hmm. better. I mean, it's a matter of attempting or trying to utilize our tools that we have access to and monitoring results and change over time. For the most part, I would say yes. Almost every case that I've worked on up until this point of long COVID has responded very well to treatment. And like, here's the thing. We know that there is brain inflammation. We know that in certain cases, like to me, it felt like my brain was declining. Like it felt like Mm -hmm. there was physical destruction and chemical imbalance. Right. And so we know if there's physical destruction, there are therapies that can help repair that. We've seen that with research. We see that with hyperbaric. We see that. And I'm going to put a plug in again. People know I just love ketamine therapy. Like when you do ketamine, it releases BDNF brain derived neurotrophic factor that literally can go in and help heal the brain again, heal up those neurotransmitters, right? The therapies at your cold laser, right? That helps with mitochondria to produce more ATP. When we're producing more ATP, we have more cellular restoration again. Like there are therapies that can go in and help the brain aggressively heal, right? Because you've had this aggressive neurological decline. Like I don't want people to feel like there is no hope. There is hope. I think like, again, You know, I remember driving down the canyon from my house one day and I was literally crying because I was on the phone with Gina and everyone knows Gina. She's my co-host. Like, and I was telling her, Gina, I like, I was so anxious and so depressed. I thought I was dying. And I was literally telling her, if I die, my kids will have this huge inheritance. Please raise my children. Like that was literally Mm. the conversation I was having. And then I remember having another thought of like, When I find the answers, like the thought I had was like, I'm so grateful this is happening to me because I'm going to find these answers and then I'm going to share them Mm -hmm. with people because there's not a lot out there right now. Like there's not a lot. So I'm so grateful this happened and I'm so grateful I was my worst case of this because I was able to find aggressive healing techniques to help my brain. So 
I was a completely different and a hundred percent functioning person within six weeks. You know what I mean? And so I know these things work, but the reason why I love people like you, because you're helping me piece together that last 10 to 20%, right? Because I know hyperbaric can help heal up the brain. Like there's so much literature with hyperbaric and Alzheimer's hyperbaric and MS hyperbaric and Parkinson's like there's so much research with hyperbaric therapy, oxygen therapy to help heal up the brain, but that's a physical like healing. There's chemical imbalances too. There's neurological toning that has to happen. And that's where I found you. You're helping me with like retraining certain parts of my brain, stimulating, like pinpointing very specific parts of my brain to help retrain it. Right. And so that's, that's when it comes to like toning the brain and retraining the brain and helping with the chemistry there. Because I've noticed with the therapies, every time I come in, like I sleep better every time I do that. Like mm-hmm. for me, sleep is important. And I keep waking up at like three 30 with anxiety. Like I can feel the cortisol, yeah. but when I do treatments with you, like I sleep until six 30 and that is nice. like, you can't pay enough money for that. You know? And I'm like, okay, right. I know my brain is retraining itself. Like yes, hyperbaric is helping with the structure of it, but there's chemical imbalances and stimulations that need to be retrained because COVID yeah. just. And, and functional imbalance. And that's kind mm-hmm. of the beautiful thing of what I do. And, and the mentors that I've learned from are some phenomenal doctors. Like I love Datis Karazian and Brandon Brock yes. and uh, Dr. Ted Carrick and these guys. And I've pulled so much information from them. The thing I love about our approach is the objective diagnostic tests are essentially the medical gold standard as it Mm -hmm. stands right now in brain injury analysis, basically. And so, like I said, these are mimicking brain injuries. These meaning like these incidents of long COVID, Mm -hmm. but the diagnostic tests that I run are objective. So we're actually able to collect data. And so I can't sit in front of a patient and lie to the patient and just tell them or blow smoke. I'm actually showing data that shows, like you said, which parts of the brain have been compromised Mm -hmm. and what parts of the brain do we need to focus on? And so I wish with a lot of these things, I wish there was some magic pill that would just fix it. And the reality, it just doesn't exist. Right. Right. And so I'd say for the most part, people that come and see me are more holistically minded. They don't want to be on medications. They want a solution to fix this type of stuff. And Mm -hmm. I'm just very confident that we can do that in utilizing objective diagnostic tests that show us what needs to be done. I I just think it's cool. And it helps me out a ton because I just look at it and then figure out a plan to to treat people. So So people that are dealing with post COVID syndrome and neurological imbalances, what else do you recommend that they do? One, I personally think they should come and see you, but if they can't, if they're out of state or like, what are some of the tools? What is, are some of the things that they should be researching? Yeah. So a couple things to consider. So there's a list again on the slide, you'll have this, but if there was a, some go-to supplements that you could start taking, Mm -hmm. here's some recommendations. So a good quality acosapentaenoic acid or DHA that you'd get from omega-3 fatty acids. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Acosapentaenoic acid is the anti-inflammatory aspect of that. So if you're taking a good quality omega-3 sub, that's awesome. Turmeric, I'm a huge fan of. I love magnesium L3 and 8. I love glutathione good quality MCT oils, which is Mm -hmm. medium chain triglyceride oils, right? Taurine, Mm -hmm. a good pre and probiotic. You could be, so all of these are like kind of the metabolic stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm not a psychologist. And so, and I tell patients that too, like sometimes I try to put that hat on a little bit, but when you're doing this type of therapy, like we're doing at the neuro clinic, I always think it's a good idea. If you have a good therapist that you like to go chat with, go see that therapist. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So being able to co-manage these cases, because I can't do everything. There's a lot that I can do, but I can't do everything. So doing these nutritional interventions and going to see a therapist that you really vibe with. I mean, all of that's really good. I mean, 
aside from that, I'd have to think about that a little bit more, like what else could they be doing? I mean, even, for example, those patients that are anxious and you want to maybe increase vagal nerve tone, this is something that we've talked about is gargling or doing Mm -hmm. ohms, using the muscles in the back of your throat to stimulate Mm -hmm. vagal nerve tone. That could be really helpful. And that's very simple and easy to do. Even coffee enemas. Like coffee enemas coffee help to enemas, strengthen. Yeah. Like, and I think this is why when people that do coffee enemas, it's so addicting because it's actually so calming. People feel so good when they do coffee oh, enemas. Shoot. And that's yeah. because it is retraining that vagus nerve. It's like retraining mm-hmm. it. And it's funny because when there are people that become addicted to coffee enemas because it feels so good. I'm not saying if everyone does, but right. this is the reason why is because it's retraining that vagus nerve and they just feel so calm and they just feel like this, like, ah, like this good feeling. Right. I'm not one of those people yet. We all like to experience things that make us feel good. Mm-hmm. You know? So if, if you're doing something that's therapeutic and you feel fantastic, mm-hmm. like, yeah, you're going to, you're going to want to lean more into doing more of that, you know, keep more doing so, it. So, I want you to kind of explain to listeners, like if they come to your clinic, what can they expect? Because I can't explain the therapies I'm doing well enough. So I have the expert right here. What is exactly happening that your team do on me every time I'm in there? They're stimulating certain cranial nerves. Why are they doing that? And what is it doing to my brain? Yeah, good question. So, and speaking of my team, my team is fantastic. They're so great. the, the group that we have here is a very special group. So one thing that you can expect if you end up coming to see me is you're going to feel loved right away by mm-hmm. these people. They're amazing. And every, you know, if I were chatting with someone over the phone that maybe was hesitant about coming in, this is really all I say is let's at least get you in to come to do the evaluation so mm-hmm. that we can run the diagnostic tests and even determine if there's something I can do to help because we have right. to pinpoint where the levels of the lesions are right. and then come up with a, a strategic plan to do that. But in certain scenarios, so let's say I'm going to recommend hyperbaric chamber for someone and we're also running repetitive peripheral somatosensory stimulation, which is RPSS is what we call it for short. It's like using somatosensory evoked potential a potential, but doing it therapeutically is technically called RPSS or repetitive peripheral somatosensory stim. Explain that so to me like I'm five. <laughs> Cause so now you're explaining yes. things that I can't keep up with. So explain it to me like so, I'm five. So for example, we might take this device that has electric components to it and it delivers a monophasic impulse, which is very, very, very beneficial for sensory nerves specifically, mm-hmm. but we can contact certain exit points of the sensory system, like your trigeminal nerve. So when mm-hmm. we do that point on the forehead, we're doing branch V1 of the trigeminal nerve, mm-hmm. branch V2, we can come up and get the tongue, which involves some of V3 and hypoglossal nerve. Mm-hmm. We can do vagal nerve stimulation. And so that's what we're doing when we're sticking these things on people's faces and, you know, shocking them with these devices. And I hesitate to use shock. It's it's a (laughs) feeling of perception. Like as soon as you can feel it, you already know it's doing its job, Mm -hmm. right? We also run alpha stim protocols, which is a very simple ear clip device that you run that implements different cranial nerves. So basically what we're trying to do better answer to your question, we're lighting up parts of your brain where the nuclei are associated with the parasympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. So that's your rest, digest, feed, breed. If you're anxious and you have this massively ramped up sympathetic tone, Mm -hmm. how do you get it to shut up? You can artificially do that by using electrical stimulation to quiet that part of your brain down Mm -hmm. and promote the parasympathetic tone in your brain. So you in your clinic, you guys are stimulating the brain and the nerves to take it out of sympathetic dominance and put it into a parasympathetic state. Is that correct? So you're retraining the brain and this is why I'm sleeping better at night. Yes. And so is COVID putting people because of all this inflammation 
And I just answered my own question. And because people are becoming anxious and depressed, like COVID is putting people in even a more high-end sympathetic state. Is that correct? 100%. Where now they have infection, now they have inflammation, now they have this heightened response. I just feel like COVID changed the way my brain responds to stress now. Like I said, as soon as cortisol goes up, it's like all my systems shut down. Right. Whereas before Mm -hmm. I had a, like, you know, there are people that are like, I'm sensitive to supplements. I'm sensitive to this. I was never a sensitive person. And I am now I'm now sensitive. And I'm like, my brain did that inflammation in my brain made me sensitive. And so is it because COVID is putting us in this even more heightened sympathetic dominant state? And now we have inflammation and now we have deterioration. And now it's just this big, terrible, like symphony of inflammation. I, I would agree with that. From what I've seen in the literature, I would say that you're def- you hit the nail on the head. And there's probably a lot more we're going to learn in the future. But yeah. as it stands right now, that's pretty much it in my estimation, yeah. everything that you just described right there. So that leads me so. to one of my final things, because I don't know long-term, five years down the line, 10 years down the line, what this means. And I can, again, because I've been talking about my own story, I've been one of the worst cases I've ever come across, right? And I've met other people that have been as bad as me. And I just know with my clinical training, what I know of the body, inflammation like this prolonged over years is going to equal badness. It's not going to look good for us. We don't have the research yet. We don't have anything that can help us predict that long-term COVID and inflammation in the brain is going to lead to more cases of Parkinson's and MS and neurological decline. But that is where I, that I hypothesize that left untreated, us all walking around with brain inflammation is going to lead to a lot of neurological diseases. Would you agree with that? I I agree down the line and just what we're seeing with, again, whether it's from natural exposure to the virus or the vaccine injury, Mm -hmm. I'm not excited per se to see what's actually going to happen upcoming because of the literature that points to what is occurring with these compromised immune systems and stuff. Mm -hmm. So come five, 10 years from now, and maybe not even that long within the next year or two, my estimation is that we're going to see a massive spike in uh, heart-related instances. And you're already seeing it happen. I mean, when in our history have we seen healthy, you know, high school athletes dropping dead, you know, or professional soccer players just dropping dead on the pitch? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's happening. Mm -hmm. And so I wouldn't put it past, like you said, for us to start seeing massive spikes in MS, Parkinson's, these neurodegenerative diseases, Mm -hmm. because inflammation for prolonged periods of time will destroy the brain. Right. There's been studies done where even chronic pain syndromes, if the somatosensory cortex is being lit up by, let's say, for example, chronic regional pain syndrome in the right ankle, mm-hmm. well, guess what the cortex is going to do? It mm-hmm. wants to ignore, absolutely ignore the signaling. It doesn't want to deal with it anymore. So mm-hmm. you actually start getting brain atrophy. Your brain wow. literally starts to shrink just wow. to get away from the pain. Yeah. And if you're looking at scenarios like that, I mean, look out, you're going to have 30, 40 year old people walking around with dementia and stuff like that. It's not good. I'm actually really scared for that. And, and here's another thing that, again, I was talking about this with my mom this morning and I'm like, I'm really nervous for people because this is a structural brain imbalance and a chemical brain imbalance caused not because of decreased serotonin, but because of like structural decay. And a bunch of people are going to be put on anti-anxiety meds, antidepressive meds, and it's not going to help them because that is not 
the problem. And so doctors are going to give drugs to people that it's not going to help them. And they're just going to feel more lost and probably create more dysfunction. Like, mm-hmm. like, so I think my warning, and I don't like giving warnings to people, but like, this is something that I see one, people are not getting answers. And so I hope this podcast gives people answers, but if you are one of those people or one of your loved ones is someone suffering with neurological inflammation and decline, you need to jump on this fast right? Because the brain is not something you want to mess with. This is not something you want to ride the wave out with. Like it doesn't, maybe you can heal like at a natural pace, maybe in a year. I don't have enough data to say, Hey, this just goes away in a year or two. I don't know that, but I do know the brain is extremely sensitive. The brain is extremely like, that's why we have that blood brain barrier because nothing is supposed to get in nothing. And now we're having all this dysfunction and all of these things getting in creating dysfunction. And so I guess my little soft warning is get on top of it now, heal it now. Don't wait because like it could just keep getting worse and worse. And you could get to a point where there is no turning back or now you like you can't help it, but there is enough sustained damage that you can't undo it. Would you agree with that warning or am I, am I being a little bit too like cautious? The severity of the damage that's being done is Mm -hmm. these are things that you don't just, I mean, self-limiting diseases. I mean, someone that gets a, their first concussion, for example, Mm -hmm. two weeks go by, you might feel like you're back to a hundred percent. You know, if you stay away from the screens and you rest and let your brain heal, self-limiting conditions like that are what they are. You can heal on your own. The severity of this damage that's being done with this mechanism and what we understand with the research, Mm -hmm. this is, it just seems like I I would agree with your warning. These are things that aren't just going to fix themselves on their own if you just wait it out. Mm -hmm. So being proactive and productive about taking care of yourself and your body and especially your brain is paramount. Don't wait to to do something about this, especially if, I mean, if you had COVID and you're symptomatic after, again, I hate to compare everything to concussion, but Mm -hmm. if you're symptomatic after like a second or a third week and you're still experiencing symptoms, Mm -hmm. you've now been thrust into post-concussion syndrome. And these are things that can last if they linger up to about two years, which some of the literature is talking about, the symptoms Mm -hmm. can become permanent. Yeah. And so you yes. got to start asking yourself the question, do you want to live like this the rest of your life or do right. you want to do something about it? Right. I'm actually so glad you brought that up because even as I was in the, like the summer, just so sick, I even researched concussion syndrome and I was reading a paper where I was like, could PTSD create concussion syndrome? I'm like, am I just so stressed and so anxious? And there was a paper that said the cuts, the cytokine, like the increase in cytokines from cortisol actually damages the dendritic cells in your brain, which then mm-hmm. start to mimic concussion syndrome. So I'm like, right. was it my PTSD that was causing this? Was it like COVID that was causing this? Was it COVID causing this? And then I was getting cortisol spikes and cytokine storms. And now my brain's just all concussion-y, you know, like it's yeah. just, it's the whole thing, right? It's like, there's just uh, yep. this new recipe of brain disaster. And oftentimes it's not just one thing. It's like COVID opened the floodgates for a myriad of possibilities of destruction in the brain. And now people are becoming symptomatic of that. And so, well, yeah, just take note of what happens with the gut brain axis. mm -hmm. When one set, when one system is damaged, the other one will suffer. And that's why I always warn patients that do have a head injury. You Mm -hmm. can experience concussion type symptoms, even without hitting your head, because when you damage the brain, that also creates leaky gut. Now, what we've talked about with the um, COVID stuff is how it affects gut and then eventually affects blood brain barrier. Mm -hmm. It's essentially the same thing. And so, 
Yeah. And so I oftentimes are, I'm warning my patients that they may develop food sensitivities that they mm-hmm. never had before yep. and just stuff like that. It, it has to be addressed. Something I'm seeing in people is that they're nauseous a lot. And again, this is yeah. just neurological dysfunction. It's vagal tone issues. It's the nervous system. It's the brain, right? Like, so get I'm that seeing patients to, uh, presenting with, with eating disorders. Mm. So like COVID, this long COVID con- issues have, have had a role in anorexia and bulimic mm-hmm. cases that I'm, that I'm seeing because there's a handful of patients, like you said, they're just nauseous all the time. They can't yep. eat anything. And if they do, they throw it right up. Yep. And then you start getting into body dysmorphia and all, mm-hmm. all this crazy stuff. I yeah. came across someone who's 16 year old post COVID severe depression, like suicidal ideation. And like, he's smoking weed every day just to function. And like, that is sad because that on a young brain that often won't lead to proper neurological development. And so again, That's you guys I worry about Looking mm-hmm. in just one quick point on that, looking mm-hmm. into the literature, especially in adolescent males, mm-hmm. that's a case that's primed for schizophrenia development. That's insane. Unfortunately. So you guys, there is hope. There is healing. Dr. Oliver, how can people get a hold of you? Where like where can they get more information? Yeah. If they want to become a, so, a patient, yeah. how do they get in contact? Yeah, thank you. The um best thing to do would maybe just spend a little time on our website. It's the neuroclinic.org. So the neuroclinic.org, that'll take you right to our website. And there you can find all of our contact information, but some very simple, basic explanations on the therapy that we do. Um, it's very informative website. So that'd probably be the best place to go is the neuroclinic.org or just give us a call. Our phone number is 801-682-3522. I can't, and that's the best way to, to get a hold of me. I can't so. recommend their clinic enough. You guys like they're phenomenal. And a lot of people are going to ask, I'm not local. How can I find a clinic like yours near me? Do you know of resources and people? Yeah. So oftentimes people do travel from all over the place. I always joke that the longest or the farthest anyone's ever come to visit me is from Bolivia. Mm -hmm. I I saw two uh, autism cases from Bolivia. So they come when that happens, we set it up. So we're running more of like an intensive type protocol Mm -hmm. where it's like a daily visits. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people don't want to travel though. If you're looking for someone in your area, there's a governing board. That's the American Chiropractic Neurology Board. And so look up acnb.org and there's a doctor locator feature on there. So you can actually just type in where you live and you're going to find a list of, so like, for example, if you did that on Utah, you would see myself, Dr. Jason Smith and Dr. Seth Wilson here. That Mm -hmm. were the three that are on the ACNB website right now. Um, So yeah, do that. Look out because we're all trained That's one thing I love about my profession is the training is what it is. It's very unique. But if you find someone in, you know, like Dr. Schmo in Minnesota or Dr. Corneri in the Bay Area, California, we've all trained in a way to go after this in a very similar Mm -hmm. approach. I love it. You guys, like there is hope for healing. There really is. Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful this happened to me. I really am because it forced me to go in and deep dive and research and become this like avid advocate for people that are having neurological decline post COVID. And so just know there is hope. Get on top of it now. Healing can happen, but you might not find the answers you're looking for from the mainstream model because they don't have the answers yet. It takes people like Dr. Oliver and myself to go and find it ourselves and find people that are looking for that information. So you guys, I hope you have found this enlightening. Please share this episode with those that are struggling with post COVID syndrome, because I think this can help them a lot and give them a lot of hope for healing.
The answers are really simple, but you just have to do the work, right? So I want to say it is an easy road, but it isn't. You just have to be dedicated and realize that you are worth the time and the effort to heal your brain. You don't want to mess with your brain. If your brain is not working, the rest of your body doesn't work. You have to fix your brain. Any parting words of wisdom and advice, Dr. Oliver, before we wrap up this episode? No, I just appreciate you for the opportunity and for the conversation. This is great. I love chatting with like-minded folks that love studying and love research and love learning because that's really just how we make ourselves better. It's all about progress and how we improve day to day is putting in the effort because the one thing I don't want to do is become complacent and lazy and then I'm not going to be helping patients. You got to continuously learn and push and push and, and just, I would say, love yourselves, Mm -hmm. love your brain. We only get this experience here. And so Mm -hmm. make the best of it and take time to take care of yourself. I guess that that would be my parting thought. I love that. And I want to add to that, like, love yourself, love your brain, because we only have this one life. And like, and I don't want to say when I felt trapped in my body and my brain, it was terrifying. Don't let Mm -hmm. that be your experience for the rest of your life. Like life is too short and life is too sweet. Like there is another side. I got there. People can get there. There is hope, but you have to love yourself and invest in yourself and realize like your body can heal. It's designed to heal jump on this quick, nip it in the bud as fast as you can, and then live an epic life full of love, full of joy and enthusiasm, because you don't have to be in the throes of anxiety and depression and neurological decline. That doesn't have to be your story. Tell yourself another story. Thank you listeners. And we will catch you next week. Dr. Oliver, this has been phenomenal. Thank you for bringing your genius. Thank you for bringing your, your wisdom, your research. I mean, you are such a gift to this world and you've been such a tremendous part of my healing as well. So thank you. And listeners, we'll catch you. We're just getting started. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. (laughs) You guys will catch you next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Gutsy Health Podcast. We hope you enjoyed and learned a lot from this episode. For more updates, follow us on Instagram at Gutsy Health Podcast. 